Hello, and thank you so much for listening to the Uptown Minute podcast with me, Joanne. Today, we have a very special guest. It's a very fun episode. But before we begin, I just want to let you know that our Instagram is up and running. So please follow the podcast at Uptown Minute Podcast on Instagram. Let's start today's episode. Hello, everyone. Today, I have a very special guest all the way from Paris. She's an actress, a writer, producer, director, proud feminist, and up-and-coming editor. She's the face of well, Google's I Am Remarkable program and the founder of the New York Times International Women's Network, Miss Megan Adele Lopez. Hi, Megan. <laughs> Hi. That was a great introduction. Oh, good. <laughs> I did my homework, so. <laughs> Thank you so much. That's great. How are you? I'm good. You know, um, we have started to get out of lockdown in Paris, so we have a little bit more freedom before we could only walk within half a mile of our place with a permission slip. Um, and now we can go up to 60 miles. So oh, that's not bad. Um, I actually I watched some of your uh, so Megan has been doing a daily diary on her on, her, on Vimeo, right? Exactly. And, yeah, Vimeo. And you mentioned that you have to get a permission slip. Where do you get a permission slip from? How does that work? So you have to download it from the website, basically, the government website. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you print it or they actually finally, like after a couple of weeks of doing it, they, they were able to, you were able to do it on your phone as well. Mm-hmm. And you basically are writing yourself the permission slip. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like really silly, but um, I think they just they just wanted people to be more aware before they left, um, before they left their their home, yeah, and think about it before they they did. So if you didn't have it with you, you would get fined. Um, How- like it, it kept increasing over the sixty days or so. It was from. Uh, things like started at a hundred, and then it went up to like three hundred euros, and then if multiple times you would get arrested if if um if they caught you. Oh my god! So you you weren't allowed to even go to the grocery stores. We could we could yeah you could go to the grocery stores but you had to have that the slip, slip with you. Uh. Yeah, you go to the grocery stores. You go like help your um help an elderly person. Um, you could walk within a half mile for exercise, but the exercise had a curfew between before 10 a.m. and after 7 p.m. Uh. So, yeah, it was pretty strict. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, and how are you handling, like, being at home, and how are you keeping busy? Well, um, it was interesting because when it first started, I had literally already kind of been quarantining myself for the month before mm-hmm. because I was trying to finish my novel and send it to my agent, Um and so I kind of panicked because during that time, I mean, I literally I turned it in the day we went into like really extreme lockdown. Mm-hmm. So I was like, what am I going to do with myself for the next <laughs> six? Well, the, at first it was just 15 days, but then turned it into 55 days. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, that's when I ended up making those videos that took up like a lot of my time. And then I went into hermit mode after the, after probably like, a month or so and I just decided to really go kind of inside of me and just use the quiet to yeah. go deep you know yeah um so I journaled a lot I meditated a lot I did exercises um we clapped every day at 8 p.m oh we, we uh, clap here at seven 
Yeah, I heard that. <laughs> it gets really loud in my neighborhood right at seven. Sometimes I forget. I'm like, what's going on? And they're like, oh, yeah. Do you um, have like a window you can like stick your head out? Yeah, of yeah. I did it once. And then I was like, okay, that's enough. <laughs> I have stuff to do. Yeah, oh, really? <laughs> no, but I when I have, like, a few... No, go ahead. Because you don't have neighbors to... Yeah, it was just like me, and then I heard people in the background, and just felt weird doing it by myself, so I I just didn't do it. Yeah, it kind of became like an expectation for us, because for me, my apartment faces like directly into my neighbors, and Mm -hmm. so that was like the time we would like wave, and we talk, and we ask how each other were doing, and um, it kind of became like, where are you if you aren't there? Like, it's kind of a shame. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's nice. That's nice. No, we don't do that here. Oh, yeah. No, it, it was nice. I ended up meeting, like, my neighbors for the first time, so. Um. They're still doing it here, so. If uh, I'm out and it's seven, then, I, then I'll clap because people outside are clapping. But if I'm by myself at home, I don't. And which part of New York are you in? Uh, I'm, a, I'm uptown in Harlem. Okay. Did you ever live here? Because I know you're from Baltimore, right? Yeah, I'm from Baltimore. Um. I lived in New York. Actually, it was always my dream to live in New York. I went to an arts high school, and I always planned on, like, going to New York right after high school. But I got into NYU, um, the Stellar Adler program for acting. But USC and LA gave me, like, way more money, scholarship money. I just couldn't afford, like, NYU. was so ridiculously expensive. So um, I ended up, after a year in LA of going to USC, I dropped out and moved to New York. Um, and I worked with like some incredible people, but it was actually during that year that I realized like everybody around me was speaking another language and, mm-hmm. and my, I remember like this guy agency that I was working for. And he told me that even just getting a college degree and my hourly rate as a temp would double. Um, so after that year in New York, I was like, I gotta go back to school and I'm going to double major in French. And, um, and so that's when I ended up, I went back to USC and then I ended up studying abroad in Paris. And like without that year in New York, I would never have ended up working for the New York Times or yeah. like been able to live in Paris. So I really like credit that. I mean, it was, I worked like five jobs. I, you know, I moved there like 30 bucks in my pocket. It was one of those classic. New so York you were living the struggling artist, <laughs> the struggling artist life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Like on the yeah, no, um, no, I was gonna say, and you were uh, the founder of the New York Times International Women's Network. What is what is that? Yeah, so basically, they had this internal um, women's network in the New York Times that had been going for a few years, maybe even ten years at that point in in the New York office, but um, internationally, we didn't really have anything that was similar. So basically, the the women's network in, inside it helps to advocate for um, women's needs and, um, rights within the company and discuss like issues. I mean, everything from, you know, egg freezing policies within the company to, um, harassment policies to, you know, making sure that women are being promoted and all that kind of stuff. So our international women tended to have just like different, you know, we just, we, um, all women aren't the same everywhere. Yeah. Um, so we had, 
you know, the policies in New York didn't necessarily reflect the needs and wants of the international women. Um, so I, my job was kind of, I started, started that so I could collect all of the grievances and discussions of women in Hong Kong and Paris and London and, um, and help to get policies changed in, inside. That's amazing. Yeah, it was, it was, it was really interesting for me too, as an American woman living abroad, just to hear like, the differences of, of what those needs are. And especially like the Asian countries, for example, they tend to take, mm-hmm. you know, whereas in America, they tend to fight more for parental leave and getting yeah. like needing to take care of their children. Whereas in Asian countries, they're more concerned about taking care of their parents and needing time off for that. Mm-hmm. So it was like little things like that that were really interesting. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, what made you want to start the women's... Um, the festival um well i just wanted because i'm a filmmaker as well and i went to different i have a film that made it into like 15 festivals and traveling to each one i've had good experiences i've had bad experiences and on my way back um from one festival which was at this island i had to take a ferry and i was I was in this ferry and I, I this is what I tell my friends like I heard a voice from the ocean <laughs> it just, yeah it, it just something came to me and I was like because I had such a good time it was such a good experience I was like oh I want to do this for for other people for like other filmmakers and I went I went to a festival a different one where the runners were women and I was like really excited to be there but it was not a good experience and I was like you know what I'm gonna do one for women and just give them the best experience because I want because I want to bring more women together especially in film because there's not so many I mean there are a lot of women but there's not really a lot of recognition yeah so I wanted to create a space to like bring women together and to network and to make relationships and just to celebrate everyone and their work and celebrate their movies and that's how I then the Uptown Women's Film Festival was born and then COVID happened so yeah because this was going to be your first year right yeah Mm. it was our first year but I'm hoping that um, next year if things are back to normal I'm able to have it and invite everyone from this year back so if you allow me and I would love to have Raging Cult back which we should talk about oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) I know (laughs) So Megan is the writer and director, producer, and the star of Raging Cult, which is this really fun film. Megan, do you want to chat, tell me about <laughs> yeah. it? <laughs> yeah, it's a dark comedy uh, basically about this agoraphobe Sandra, who is very much reflects my life right now. <laughs> I think of many of our lives, actually. Um, yeah. She was afraid of leaving the house because of uh, an aggression that happened to her in her past, and and so she was living her life basically through social media. And she was like, why are all these women just smiling and so happy all the time online? Like, I just, I don't get it. Like, we don't they understand that if we really want to change people's perception of who we are as women, like, we need to show them how angry we are. So she thinks it's a good idea to, like, invite women um, over to interview for her cult. And uh, <laughs> it's... And she got a lot of women to come. Yeah, yeah. She got all eight age ranges. And uh, my only regret was that because 
I had put it together so quickly. Like I basically uh, pulled it together in less than two weeks. Um, Yeah, from writing it to filming it and to hiring the crew and getting the actors on board. The women weren't like as diverse as I had, as I would have hoped, you know what I mean? Um, Mm -hmm. We had, like we had, you know, um, Emma Cuba, she's Hispanic and um, we had some older women um, and we had an African-American woman, but I really wanted to like get the full range. So I'm I'm, I'm actually thinking about like, doing it as a longer kind of documentary potentially uh, one day but I was gonna ask do you see it as a feature film um maybe like I feel like somebody said after they we had a screening at my place that they really wanted to see the cult like walking down the street (laughs) yeah I actually wanted to see um I wanted to see the women in their lives. I feel like it would be a great feature film if you ever like think about it. Cause I would love to see like the women and why they're the way they are mm. and how their personal lives affects them. And then have the call together, the Roman streets of Paris creating havoc. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely something I have to finish. So I'm just to finish my first, I'm in the middle of finishing my first feature film right now. Um, so it would probably be something that would happen, you know, down the line. But um, but yeah, I mean, it's a topic that I really feel passionate about. Like just as women that we don't, um, we don't really, we're not really able to express our anger in a way. You know, I, I don't necessarily want to see a, a world where women are just screaming at the top of their lungs all the time. And um, yeah. <laughs> But this no, I, no, I know. Yeah, but at the same time, I think that you know we are told so often, smile, for example, or look pretty, or um, or those kind of things, and and the angry woman, you know, gets such a bad reputation. So it's uh, it's definitely something I, I I met the woman who wrote um, uh, Soraya Chamali, who wrote um, oh my god, I'm gonna forget the title. It was about angry women. Rage, no, um, the rage. Oh gosh, let's come back to that. But um, I met her, <laughs> and we were also talking about maybe collaborating on something. Um, Soraya Chamali is her name. She wrote this incredible book about female anger and and how it changes the world. Rage becomes her. That's what it is. Um, so so yeah, I think that there is there is definitely more to come of it. Um, yeah, yeah, because I feel like women we're all conditioned to just smile look pretty and I think this would be a great film to show the world which is which is why I'm sad that we don't have a live screening for New York to see it Mm. are you gonna do an online screening at all or no I looked into the online but it just didn't make sense uh financially and also because because we're it's the it's a first year festival we don't have an audience to bring in so I just didn't want to do that to like you guys and it wouldn't really make sense. Well, Molly is so excited that, um, so Molly, you awarded with uh, Best Supporting Actress. Yes, congrats to her. She was so and, fun and uh, natural. She is over the moon. I talked to her yesterday and today and she was just so excited. So I think we're going to go and um, 
celebrate this weekend. She's somebody who I acted in a play with in Paris a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. And we just had like such a good rapport on stage. Like we just kind of have this like really natural back and forth. And, um, and so like I, I wrote the part for her and I'm just so yeah. happy that she's getting recognition because, you know, this is like her, one of her first big kind of, Oh, I'm so excited <laughs> for her now. <laughs> she was great to watch and really fun. I saw her post on Instagram. She's like, Mom, do you still want me to be an accountant? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't be an accountant. Well, she makes a living as an actress in Paris, actually. I mean, um, in theater, okay. but and she has her own theater company. Uh, France has such a great, like, social package for artists. Um so basically, mm-hmm. like, it's called an intermittent spectacle, which means that if you're a performer and you get paid a certain number of hours per year, then the next year, the government will pay you for a whole, like, the whole rest of the year, a monthly stipend. Um, and it can oh, be, wow. like, you know, a couple of grand or whatever, because the French government believes that artists or understands that artists, you can't continually produce work. You need to be having time to yeah. like create the work and that time means you're not getting paid. So uh, the government pays that for, for performing artists, which is. That's amazing. I know. I wish they I know. Here. <laughs> <laughs> New York is filled with artists who are right now struggling because there's no Yeah. Work. What are you doing with that? Um, so actually I do have a day job. When I'm considered essential, so I've been working throughout okay. quarantine. Wow. Um, so I luckily I still have a job to go to and getting um yeah. some money. But a lot of my friends who are bartenders and waiters, uh, who are actors, they are home doing nothing. Yeah. And uh, well, some of them are getting um, Unemployment. what do you call it? unemployment. Yeah, which I am like them, because I, I, some of them are getting six hundred dollars a week. So I'm like, maybe I should be getting unemployment. Right. I <laughs> I will have I'll have all this time to like do more stuff creatively. Yeah, I know. I heard that unemployment can sometimes be paying people more than them actually working. Yeah, but yeah, um, I'm considered essential, so I. That's kind of scary work. too, isn't it? Yeah, uh, for, at the beginning, it wasn't as, well, at the beginning, like, there was no one outside, and the trains were empty, and my job gave us um, masks, so I was wearing them, I mean, I wear mm-hmm. them every day, but lately, like, um, on the 15th, it was when New York was supposed to reopen, mm-hmm. in my neighborhood, I got off the train, and there was, like, 10 people in each corner drinking and partying, having block parties, I'm like, not wearing masks yeah some people yeah it was kind of scary it's been kind of scary lately because people just don't care and they just want to get out yeah especially because it's becoming like warmer weather and everything yeah it's the same here we i mean last night i went out um today is a holiday in france the ascension day we have like five holidays in the month of may it's crazy but um so last night like everybody was out and they they still have all the parks and like all the parks are still closed so you can't you can't go there um but we're allowed to like drink on the street in paris and so a lot of the bars and you can't Mm -hmm. all the bars are still closed but 
they're offering like to go mm-hmm. drinks. So people yeah. were just like flooded uh, on the streets, just drinking and um, yeah, not wearing masks. And I have to admit, I mean, I was I was one of those people, but I did wear a mask in as I was like ordering the drink and as I was like walking away yeah. from it. But um, but then yeah. after a while, it's like you know, you think about there's only a couple of hundred in the like new cases in the country in the whole country every day now. So it's. Yeah, and I'm I'm afraid that now that things are reopening, it's gonna go up again because people are just want to get out, and a lot of them don't want to wear yeah. masks. So I feel like it's just gonna go up again. Yeah, it probably it probably will. Although I think I don't know. I have a feeling it's not gonna be as bad as everybody thought it was like in the beginning. Um, but I know in America, it's it's scarier in America. I I think, but. New York yeah. did a great job from over, from what it seemed like over here. Yeah, uh, the governor has done a good job. Uh, a lot of people don't like him or think they don't think he's doing a great job, but I think he's 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 been on really point. people don't like him. Yeah, some people don't seem to like him. I don't huh. know why. Oh. I mean, I think he's doing great, but I have a few friends who don't think highly of him. Yeah, well, I guess everyone's entitled to their opinion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So how um how is editing going? I you I from you told me through email that you're learning how to edit. Yes. How is that so going? I am waiting on my because basically all of my footage is in Baltimore. Um, I have actually no, that's a lie. I have it, I have backups with me, but the backups aren't in the same order as what my editor was working on. Like we basically created two trailers. I went back in January and we created two trailers for the film when I was home for this like big fundraiser we threw. Um, so I'm waiting for that to be shipped over here. Um, but in the meantime, um, I've just been editing those short those short films and I'm working in Premiere Pro and you and I were talking about that like a little bit mm-hmm. via email. Like it's definitely a learning curve. But um Yeah. But I'm excited to dive into it because I feel like this. So my feature film is a docufiction similar to like how Raging Colt was where I have Raging Colt yeah. kind of is the opposite. I did the opposite where I wrote the script and then I put like insert women here. <laughs> and then I invited mm-hmm. the woman over and like <laughs> asked them questions. Whereas this, my feature film is I filmed the documentary portion and now I'm crafting. Um, and as I was going, I was directing like, my people and kind of crafting the story as we went um so okay like improv uh, yeah a little bit improv like it's um it's called a baltimore dream and it's about like what happens to the hopes and dreams that we had when we were 18 um and it's through the eyes of this baltimore baltimore school of the arts class of 2000 theater on theater ensemble um mm-hmm. and so since they are all our actors anyway i'm playing on that like okay, so you decided not to become an actor, but, like, when are you acting in real life? And, and you know, that kind of thing. So I'm really going to mm. be finding the story a lot as I'm editing. Um, and so that's why I'm kind of yeah. excited to have the time to to do it on my own. Um, although I would have loved to have worked with my editor. He's in Baltimore, so it's just, at this point, it's not really possible. So I may as well do it myself and save 30 grand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um uh, Premiere is such a difficult program. I took, um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Skillshare. I've heard of it, yeah. 
Yeah, so I took a class there, and I it was a six-hour class, and I sat through the six hours, took my notes, and when I sat down to edit this five-minute web series, everything went out the window. I was like, oh, what's happening? All these buttons. I don't know what it is. So I spent another six hours on YouTube <laughs> trying to figure out how to work Premiere. So <laughs> kudos to you for sitting through Premiere, because every time I sit through it, I get it's t- It's tough. I mean, I think the biggest thing is I need to get another s- screen. Um, but my short videos that I was making over during quarantine, I'd say the last like 10 of them I all did on Premiere. So, you know, slowly but surely. And I just had an I did like a little video for the Baltimore Sun as well for like my day in the life um, in Paris this week. Yeah, I watched. Oh, thanks. Thanks for supporting. (laughs) Of course. You're part of the Uptown Women's Film Festival family. Like, I'm so bummed that it's not happening, but I, I could tell just by your communication and all your emails, like it was going to be a different festival um you just really made it really personable which is means so much to filmmakers and um yeah so I'm bummed it's not happening but I'm like excited to talk to you and I'm definitely going to be there if you know lord lord willing next year yeah yeah hopefully um I was really looking forward to meeting everyone in person but you know I've invited a lot of you people you and a few other filmmakers have agreed to come on the podcast so there's a yeah. way to meet them and chat so i'm excited for that so thank you for making oh, it's my pleasure thanks for having me this is this has been really fun so i know i i know i said 20 to 25 minutes we're close <laughs> to 30 now <laughs> so i have i have yeah. one more question um if you since you work in different fields like you work in casting you work in um, advertisement filmmaking if what advice will you give to someone who's trying to make the jump from the corporate world or their regular nine to five into film because it could be a really scary jump sometimes and you've done it and you've done it well so what advice do you have um that's a really good question you know I think the only advice I have really is to and this is a phrase I feel like that is kind of becoming popular right now but it's following the breadcrumbs because For me, I I put it out into the universe that I realized, first of all, that I could become a filmmaker, whereas, you know, even though I'd studied my whole life to be an actress, I don't think I ever knew growing up that it was even possible for a woman to be a filmmaker just because, like, we never, I never saw them in the 80s and 90s. Like, they didn't really exist. Mm -hmm. So when I realized, when I started writing, and I was like, oh, there's power in writing um, because I can do it on my own. I don't need another person to tell me I'm, like, pretty enough or tall enough or Hispanic or non-Hispanic enough or whatever it is. Um, Like I found power in that. And then I slowly just started creating on my own. Um, And then really like somebody, when you put it out to the universe, like, you know, this, you finally start, I I finally decided I want to be a filmmaker. I started telling people that. And then that gets in people's ears and then they're like, Oh, well, I know this person is looking for somebody to do this. And so my friend was looking for a producer in Paris for this music video that she um, wanted to direct. And I was like, I've never produced a film Mm -hmm. before, but like I can try. And, and so I just kind of figured it out and like Googled, like, what is a producer? (laughs) 
<laughs> thank god for google <laughs> and then like slowly but surely like i just um you just have to i think it partly is also having the confidence to men do this all the time really well and i've been i've learned this from men um just don't think that just because you don't have the experience in something that you can't claim that you are that and that's how i've kind of lived my whole career is like when i started in social media and advertising Nobody knew what the fuck social media was, you know, nobody was a social media expert, but I was like, yeah, yeah I'm an expert. And then, you know, I ended up working for um, one of the top news organizations in the world, like because of me saying, believing that I was an expert when nobody else did. So I think it's just um, having that confidence to be like, everybody's making it up all day long and, uh I'm going to make it up as well and I'm going to do it better than they will. So <laughs> that's great advice. <laughs> it's all about believing. Yeah. And just figure it out. And you as might you fuck up. Along. I mean, um, I've, I've certainly made mistakes along the way, but I think it's just also about being honest with people and, you know, and, and I, yeah. that's why I love working with women as well because I feel like women get that more than anything. It's like, as long as we can communicate and be honest and support each other, then um, like, and sorry, I'll just give you one more example, but uh, I've never really mm -hmm. worked in the consulting world, but now I'm starting to get paid to consult for my, my time at the New York times. And um, this woman reached out to me about consulting. Um, and I said, she said, what's your fee? And I, and I, and I told her like what I had kind of been charging for the past six months because it's so hard to know what mm -hmm. your fee is, um, especially like in niche yeah. digital advertising or, you know, especially with like newspapers. So, so I told her and then she said, Oh, okay. And I heard this like slight hesitation and I just took that and I ran with it. I was like, I know this might not, might not be very professional, but can you tell me, is that low or high? <laughs> <laughs> and she said, <laughs> I'm not really supposed to say this, but it's on the very low side. Um, I'll bump you up to X. Um, and well, I'll, I'll just tell you, like it was, I, I said $200 an hour. She said, yeah, I'll give you to $300 an hour. And then, cause I think it's important. We talk about like money. Um, and then um, she emailed me saying, We're, we'd be happy to accept your proposal at $400 an hour. So she literally like doubled my oh, wow. hourly rate. I mean, and granted, you know, I don't, you maybe get a consulting job like once a month. So, you know, it's not like I'm making yeah. that every, every hour, every day, but um, it's that kind of thing of just like having, if I hadn't have asked her that question, you know what I mean? Um, the only way I think as women, especially yeah. we can continue to climb up in our salaries and what we're making is by, is by talking openly about it. So that's true. That was long-winded answer. But... <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a great answer. I cool. appreciate it. <laughs> no. Well, um, thank you so much for making time oh, my again. Pleasure. Thank you. I'm so excited for Molly and for the success of Raging yeah. Cult and thank your you. success. You too. And I look forward to um, both the both yes. more dreams. Yes, I will definitely let you know when it's um, when it's ready. For sure.
And where, where can people follow uh, They you? can follow me at Megan on Twitter, which is just, it's M-E-A-G-A-N, um, at Megan Adele Lopez on Instagram, and Megan, MeganAdeleLopez.com. Yeah. Cool. Well, enjoy your day in Paris. Have fun. Oh, oh I forgot. Oh, my God. Novel. <laughs> oh, don't worry. <laughs> It's um, I, I'm still working on okay. it, but it's uh, it's a it's a young adult fantasy novel, feminist fantasy novel. Um, and I'm submitting it to my agent at the end of this week, and then we're gonna be trying to shop it around to publishers. So that'll be another year or two before it comes out. But um, but stay tuned. <laughs> stay tuned. I'll I'll I follow I follow yes. you on Twitter. So. I'll, uh, any news that you say, I will relay it back. Thank to you. And where can I else. find this podcast? <laughs> um, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public. Okay, cool. Cool. So enjoy your day in Paris. It was such a pleasure to talk to you. And I can't wait to you meet too. you. You too. Stay safe over there in New York. Don't forget to follow the podcast on Instagram at Uptown Minute Podcast. And thank you so much for listening.